Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I, I do have Mike's holidays locked and loaded because he's not with us this week. Yes. Next week he's back, right? I believe he said he gets back on the 20th. So assuming he's functional and he's mm, right about that okay. date, he might be leaving on the 20th. We don't know. We're assuming he'll be here next Monday. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it could be close. Um. Anyways, we got we got three days. You know, first, obviously, it's as of today, it's MLK Day. So you know, have a dream. Hopefully, it comes true. Uh, and these next two, these are kind of polar opposites as far as I'm concerned. We have National um, Kombucha Day. You ever had kombucha before, Bob? Yeah, it's not my thing. Yeah, uh, maybe an acquired taste, but what probably isn't is strawberry ice cream, which it also is. So if you have to drink some kombucha, maybe wash it down with some strawberry ice cream. That would definitely make it go down a little bit easier. But uh, that's our holidays for today. There you go, Mike. Yeah, are you a kombucha guy, Mark? No, I only tried it once, and it was bad. Yeah, <laughs> I just really you know, man, what like, I and like I've, I, a Middle Eastern man, we have like a fizzy yogurt drink we drink for the love of God. But like kombucha is just not my thing. I'm sure there's some sort yeah. of benefit to it, or at least that they've sold people that there's some sort of benefit to it health wise. You know, it might be. It kind of has like booze in it, right? Is it because like it's fermented or something? Yeah, but isn't there something good about like it's good for your gut health or some yeah. bullshit like that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like a health thing for sure. But yeah, I never, never got on board. I think I the one I tried was pink too. So I was like, oh, this this looks appetizing. This looks like it should taste good. It tasted awful. And I was like, never yeah. again. Fair enough. Um, all right. So yeah, Mike's not here. Um, he's not here for uh, our first pay per view of the year. And man, what a pay-per-view it is, Mark. Fucking sucks. Um, this one on paper does not look good. Um, hopefully they fight to perform, though. I'm seeing a lot of close betting lines, which makes you think we'll at least get some competitive mm-hmm. matchups. Um, you'd hope, especially among the top couple fights, though. It's a real possibility we got 10 rounds and they aren't good 10 rounds in these top two mm-hmm. fights. Real possibility. Um, the feature bout, not terribly good. The first two fights coming up. Honestly, the opening card on the pay-per-view, opening fight of the pay-per-view might be the most relevant and best fight on the card. Um, mm-hmm. With, I think, 16-0 and 0 is what Mr. Ivalov is. 17-0. and 0, uh, Movsar Ivalov. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29 years old, taking on my guy. Tipping my hand here on my pick. 19-2, and 2, um, Arnold Almighty Allen. Um, think Mr. I think Allen is like number five, I want to say. Um, I'm not even sure if he's even that low. He's only lost to Max Holloway in this sp- company. Um, he is number three, and Movsar is number nine. So tough fight for an Arnold, man, and respect for taking it. Um, when you feel at all times he's one away from a title shot. Um, that's the most interesting fight to me, personally. Um, and I, while I think the main event could be good, I'm honestly just... I just don't like the fight promotion of this. I don't like this crap. None of this is doing anything for me, man. All this bullshit, like sure. this, 
It's a debate over a crazy person who says horrible things versus just a bad person who says horrible things. And it's just, here we are. Um, but before that, Mr. Weirdsmobile himself, Johnny Walker, went out there, Mark, throwing all sorts of weird spinning shit, doing capoeira and shit, uh, getting kicked straight in the pills by Magomed and Goliath. But when it was all said and done, shortly after, um, halfway through the second round, Pointing that out, Mark, because the over-under was set at one and a half, and a bunch of people are not happy um, mm. about how close it was. Movsar, I'm sorry, Movsar, uh, Magomed cracked Johnny with a right? Was it overhand mm -hmm. right? And I'm not entirely sure how Johnny wasn't unconscious after that follow-up shot, if I'm being honest with you. That was clean to the grill while on the ground. Broke his nose, too, I believe, too. I think his nose got all messed up. Um, Mo, uh, Magomed said, hey, man, I could have taken this guy down and yada, yada, yada. But instead, I wanted to show the champion that I'm going to take his belt while we stand and whatnot. Um, what do you think, man? The guys fought in a warehouse in front of 50 people. But in theory, they were fighting for a contender spot. What do you think of uh, Magomed getting back on track after two not losses, but not wins either? Yeah, I mean, it was. A, a pretty good performance on his part. I mean, in, in so much that, you know, he got the finish and he really just let, you know, uh, Walker just make the mistake, right? Like he was able to capitalize when Johnny threw a leg kick and was kind of off balance and was able to land that big right hand, which sat him down. And then he followed up, finished the show. Um, so you have to give him a lot of credit for, you know, being patient and not, you know, resting on his laurels and potentially, you know, making the fight more of a grappling oriented fight, which would have seemed that the safer route, um, that being said, it doesn't make me think that he should do the same performance against Alex or some of the other, you know, more dangerous, I think, technically proficient strikers. You know, I think Johnny Walker is a really fun, you know, light heavyweight contender because he's sporadic. He kind of does crazy things. He'll throw out, you know, your weird strikes that you're not necessarily anticipating. But it's not necessarily because, like, he's a super tactical guy that, you know, makes no mistakes, right? He He's not just throwing stuff and then like not leaving openings, right? He does yeah. these big movements hoping that he catches you. And if he doesn't, he often finds himself out of position and has to, you know, reset himself. Mm. And, you know, um, Magomed is just, you know, a tried and true martial artist. You know, he's going to stay in his position. He's going to wait for those moments to arise and, and clock you on. And that's exactly what he did. So it definitely shows you that, you know, the guy knows how to not get, you know, rattled when the, you know, someone's throwing kind of unique strikes at him. He kind of knows his distancing. He knows where he's safe and where he's unsafe and where he's potentially in danger. But, you know, how that's going to materialize against, you know, some of these other strikers, obviously like the champion Pereira and even Yuri um, and Jamal Hill. We haven't seen him have to test himself. I don't think. Has he fought Jamal Hill? Mm, no, Jamal. I don't think Magomed's lost in the UFC. And, no, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he beat Hill. And I think Hill's only loss in the UFC was he got Paul Craig. Okay. And then, you know, I remember it was cool because they had it. And then they, uh, um, then they went and drinking afterwards, which was cool. You know, I like Paul Craig. Yeah. But a, a good win, you know, a good solid win for uh, Magomed. And like you said, it, it definitely keeps him in title contention. And, you know, he, he won in such a way that that made his fight a little bit more unique and interesting than I would have thought. I would have thought he would have grounded him and, and tried to get a submission and maybe even potentially a decision just kind of played the safe route. But, you know, he went out there, he tried to put on a show, he finished it. He landed some good shots. Nothing really bad to say about it. Yeah. Um, 
only other real relevance. I mean, Ricky Simone lost, which was a bit of an upset, if I'm not mistaken. I think Ricky was a pretty decent favorite in this one. Um, I know Mario's been, you know, his name's been getting thrown around a lot. Mario made his UFC debut, I said it, against Corey Sandhagen, which is like, it's not easy, you know? Um, He lost to Trevin Jones, too, but since then, six straight in a fucking deep white class. Bantamweight and after lightweight, those might be the two deepest weight classes we got uh, going in terms of talent. Um, Jim Miller took care of Gabriel Benitez with the face crank, and then everybody loves Jim Miller. Jim Miller has the most wins in UFC history um, by a few now, actually. I think he has it by a, a couple now. And everybody wanted him on UFC 300. Dana White said he'd be on UFC 300. Afterwards, he said that he'd be down to fight Paul Felder, which I don't love that matchup just because Paul Felder is not like in shape, in fight shape. You know, he's retired. He's still he's still in the testing pool, but who cares about that? Um, the other name that was interesting, even though he's bigger than him and it's a different weight class, is Matt Brown. But I think mm-hmm. for people like me and you that have been watching this sport a long time, I think that would be that's not bad, actually. I think that's a Decent matchup they can put together. Um, Jim Miller and Matt Brown. My two cents. I don't know what you think about that. Honestly, not crazy about either of them for Jim. Honestly, I mean, uh, Paul hasn't fought in a while, so he might have a little ring rust. But, like, one, you either have Paul Felder, who I always kind of think has just been a notch kind of above where Jim has been in his career. So I think oh, Jim was Jim was almost number one contender fight. before Bendo beat his ass. Of course, that was eleven years ago, though. So that's, thank you. You okay. said it. You said in his <laughs> career, though. But like you said in his career, Paul's retired also, though. Paul Paul started. I mean, he, his rise was after, and I, yeah. I don't think he ever was in title contention. But I think he was always kind of in. I think Jim was around number one contender back then, and then had fallen off, and has mm. not been, you know, relevant. I, and and that kind of like landscape for a while. I think that fight would be tough, although Felder hasn't fought in a while, so there might be some ring rust there. And then Matt Brown, I think when it comes to kind of like styles and their career path seems more kind of even playing field. But like you said, he's so much bigger. (laughs) Like, I don't think um, Matt Brown's ever made 55. Has Jim Miller ever fought at 170? No, I don't think Jim. I think Jim's as tall as me, which, I mean, people, I'm five foot five. He might be a little bit taller than me. Um, You know what's a name out there? Patty. Oh, sure. Patty would kind of. I mean, Jim is not ranked, but Jim's won five of six. Like, Jim is beat. Jim's kind of become the litmus test of, like, is this young guy anything we need to pay attention to at all? That's kind of Jim's litmus litmus test right now. Um, They want to get Patty on 300. That'd be a way to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, Jim said he's willing to fight Brock Lesnar, you know, to be the only, to be the two guys who've been on UFC 100, 200, and 300. I, I mean, I would I would watch that. I'm just saying. Sure, why not? I mean, granted that Jim's got to grapple with a guy who, I mean, that's the one area I feel Brock's still going to be pretty decent at off the couch is let's go to the mat with this 290-pound All-American sure, fucking NCAA Brock's champion. going to beat Jim Miller at whatever he wants to <laughs> yeah. compete against. Um, Brock might be younger, which is saying something. Um, I don't know. Jim's 40. I like Jim Miller a lot, man. You know, he's still out there. He's doing, sure. he's aged. He's doing, a, he's aging very gracefully and yeah. handling his career the right way, I feel like. Like, 
not out there trying to get himself. Maybe it's also because he's never been that big of a draw ever. Like, I know he's main evented like a mm-hmm. fight night against Nate Diaz and stuff, but like, you know, he's out there facing the level of opponent that makes sense. So, um, we had Manel Cop, which, uh, again, it was supposed to be Manel Cop versus Mateus Nikolaou. And I remember I wanted to tell you that, hey, man, we kind of messed up. We should have picked this fight because it was number like five versus number six, I think. Um, well, Manel took care of that for us. Miss weight by yep. three and a half pounds. And then seemed to kind of complain that his opponent wouldn't take the fight at the catch weight. Um, don't really like Manel Cop, Mark. I'm just going to say it. I don't. I don't think he's good enough for me to care this, but to have to for his bullshit. Let's put it that way. His, if you're gonna be a, have a lot of bullshit, the you have to be good. It's like you could only get away with so much. <laughs> so, I mean, I I really like Manel Comp, his fighting style yeah. and his fights. Um, but like this isn't like the biggest shocker in the world because I think over the last three years he's probably had like five canceled fights mm. for whatever reason. So. It is one of these things, like, anytime I see him on the card, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to see that fight if it happens. And often in the last couple of years, it has not come to fruition. Even though it's on paper, dudes are going to weigh in. Somebody always ends up getting sick or something weird happens and the fight gets thrown away. I, it's just, I should uh, take it back. He didn't, like, he wasn't like he shit on Nikolaou. He said, hey, this guy wouldn't accept the fight. I don't blame him, though. He didn't want to, like, say, like, this guy's a coward for not fighting me or anything. He just said, I offered him my entire purse and he still wouldn't fight me. Which, don't do that. Yeah. Don't offer your entire... This is... Don't. Are you not paying attention to this lawsuit? These people are making enough money. Don't offer any extra money to anybody. All right? Take all the money you can. Um, Yeah, he's got to get his shit together, man. In every part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that in every sense of the word. Every definition of getting your shit together, he needs to get his shit together. Because he's 30 years old now. It's, you know... it's He has zero wins over anybody of any real relevance. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. Like, his best win is beating Takei Mizugaki four years ago in Ryzen. And I'm just going to tell you right now, there's no way Takei Mizugaki four years ago wasn't already old. Like, Mizugaki's been old for 10 years at this point. So, he looks cool and he does an exciting stuff, but you got to beat somebody. And you already lost to this guy. This is a big opportunity for him, and he blew it. So, we'll see if the UFC punishes poor Nikolaou for not taking the fight, though. I'm sure they will. Just near certainty, huh? I'm sure it'll be a couple extra months before we see him. So. Yeah, and he's got to fight some Magomed or something on the, like, the prelims of a card in fucking, you know, Abu Dhabi or something. Something like that. Um, Yeah, this wasn't a great card. It was the first card they had in a month. And I thought I'd be really excited to see it. And I watched... I'll be honest, I saw... I turned on the Jim Miller fight in the third round. And then I watched the main event. Mm-hmm. And even then, I was going... Just flipping away, too, the whole time. So... Here we are. Um, the UFC uh, speaking. We'll talk about their efforts to put on bullshit cards and try to convince people to pay for it uh, in a moment here. But uh, UFC is back next week in uh, the Scotiabank Arena, uh, where these poor Canadians did not deserve this crappy pay per view. But they are going to get a pay per view. We'll get to our picks for that. And uh, don't worry, uh, the UFC is taking the next week off after that for some no apparent reason. And then uh, the week after that, they are back in the Apex for one good fight. Ah, two. I think it's not. I think this one we watched was better, was worse than this one, Mark. I know you were shitting on this, but I think this this one at least has got like two fights. Ah, the other one had two fights too. I think Mo- 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 Moicano and Drew Dober's fun. 
And I think Imavov mm. and Dolice should be pretty entertaining too. Knowing the way this thing goes, one of them is going to get one of these fights is going to go away in the next week. But um, in the meantime, some news: um, the UFC was supposed to go to Saudi Arabia in March, and the Saudis said, "Hey, man, we're we're cool with you not putting on this bullshit fight card." Um, not kidding. They saw the quality of fight card the UFC was trying to put on their put on the air for them. Um, which, I mean, I think the UFC might have thought the Saudi Arabian government was as stupid as ESPN was, with ESPN taking all these crappy Apex cards. Mark, the Saudi saw this card and said, I'm paying you $20 million. Are you high? You you want me to pay this much for Mohamed Mokayev? Like, yeah. what do you, well, what are we talking about here? Um, I don't think the UFC that understands yet what this relationship can be for them, man, how much money they can make. Because WWE is printing $50 million every time they go there. And that is like eight WrestleManias worth of money or something like that. Some absurd number like that. So I don't know. I don't get it, man. Maybe they get their stuff together. They're going to go back in June, which someone who's Middle Eastern, let me tell you, um, that is not the time of year you want to be in the Middle East. Um, I'm assuming this is indoor, this arena. I'm assuming. I hope. Um, I wonder if they think they're going to get Islam. Honestly, I don't. Does Islam say, Islam them... talked about it? He said fighting in the summer, right? Didn't he? I think he said something like a week or so ago. Yeah, I mean, it's going to give UFC potentially time to plan better, which has been you know a big sticking point that we talk about almost week in week out. Mm-hmm. That it just seems like they're just one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And this March card they had for them, I mean, I don't know if they really just were like, this is the best we could do with the schedules that people have or what it was, but. I almost want to applaud Saudi Arabia for just being like, no, 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 sending this back to the kitchen, dog. Like, this it's is like, not the I'm, meal I We're not being harsh. I don't think people, I think people might think sometimes you would get harsh a little bit about this, but like, Biggie Boy versus Shamil Gazeev, who the fuck is that? All right. First off, yeah. don't know who that is. Mohamed Mikhaev. I like Mohamed Mikhaev. Alex Perez is a good fighter. So maybe the most relevant fight on this card. Eric Anders, Jamie Pickett. Ludovic Klein, Joel Alvarez, Javid Basharat, Alzheimer, Al. It's like they said they went with any Middle Eastern person they could just throw in this fucking thing and hope for the best. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't it's know. a weak card, and I'm, I'm just glad they're like, In a no, world where PFL is getting invested in by the Saudi Investment Fund, too, I would, would rather be the preferred MMA organization of the Saudi Investment Fund than the non-preferred one. Just saying. If their PFL is getting Saudi money... I suppose. Just put. That I mean, I have to imagine if, if and when PFL goes to Saudi Arabia, they will have the foresight to bolster a card. Right? Yeah, it's going to be the Bellator versus PFL rumors. Rumors the Bellator versus PFL champion card is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you got to do something. So you got to fucking do. We're going to pay you all this money. It's odd, Mark. People have an expectation if you give them twenty million dollars that you're going to perform. Um, yeah. The other news we could say uh, there was more leaked stuff out of this UFC lawsuit. Which, mm-hmm. I was telling you, man, if the goal was for this to bring me entertainment, this lost yeah. a bit of resounding success. It was apparently before the John Jones, Alexander Gustafson, they were trying to book a rematch back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Jones wanted to fight Daniel Cormier instead. Um, and they said, well, we want you to sign a contract extension first. And John's, say what you will about John Jones. I don't think he's an idiot when it comes to this part. I think he handles this part of his career very well. 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, Dana White texted Lorenzo Fertitta, what's up with Jones? Did he straighten up or is he still a scumbag? To be clear, Mark, if you wanted to call John Jones a scumbag for many reasons, 100% on board. Yeah. yeah. Not willing to sign your bullshit contract extension is not one of those reasons. Um, so Fertitta's answer, while it made me laugh, still a douche, but we're inching closer. Haven't moved on money, but sent a letter with an ultimatum. Then Dana White said, awesome. Fuck that punk, Lorenzo. He needs to know we don't need him, or he will fuck us over more than he already does. Still is, nine years later. (laughs) Way to go, John. Not much has changed, so... (laughs) I'm just listening to this fucking, uh, what's it called, this Aspinall uh, conversation, which which was like, I'm thankful there's fights back, because we were having debates over, is John Jones holding up a heavyweight division? As if it's, like... He should drop the title as if the UFC can't strip him tomorrow if they fucking felt like it. Like, what are we ta- mm-hmm. what are we talking about here? Like, yeah, take the belt from him if you care. You know? Yeah. What's to stop you? Yeah. Um, I don't know what other news I really saw. Um, I saw some stuff here and there, but none of it was, like, super relevant. You know, yeah. I saw some, some stuff when Mark Hunt did an interview. He might be doing bare knuckle. Um, oh, we lost... Um, we lost Amir Albazi. He was going to fight Brandon Moreno in the main event in Mexico City. And instead, oh, it's going to be Brandon Royville, the Battle of the Brandons. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, I think, Royville is also Mexican, I think. I believe he's part Mexican, at least. Yeah. Um, I thought they said that. And I'm just like, I honestly thought that maybe they wait for the winner of Manel Cop and Nicolau to fight that guy instead. Well, no. We're really going to, like, I know I'm the one who picks Brandon Moreno is going to be the champion at the end of the year. This is how by the way. He just keeps getting title shots and just finds a way. You know, that's it. That is how it happens. Because I think he's... I'm just putting this out there. Um, we saw, we learned that Brandon Royville is not stopping a double leg to save his life. Any sort of takedown. And not that Brandon is the greatest wrestler in the world, Mark, but I remember when he was taking Figueroa down at a certain point just to do it. So, mm-hmm. I don't think Brandon has bad fight IQ. Just putting that out there. Um... Yeah. Yeah, um, let's get into it. Uh, let's just make our picks because there's nothing else going sure. on. UFC returns to Canada for the first pay-per-view. I don't know in how long, to be honest. I think they might have gone back once post-COVID. Um, but it's it's interesting how much Canada was a big deal to them. And obviously, that's tied to one guy, probably, a lot of it. But they did have other Canadians. It feels like they really did not make the effort to maintain and or like to try to reload the Canadian market um post GSP beyond like Rory McDonald. Like it just feels like mm-hmm. like uh you know we're gonna do a top five list later today and later in the show about our favorite best Canadians or favorite Canadians or whatever. And I was looking up Canadian um MMA UFC fighters, the best ones and that lift that list goes off a cliff quick, man. Like sure. real quick. And you know, you wouldn't expect that because they used to go to Canada all the time. You know, so um, main event: American crazy person Sean Strickland versus uh, South African scumbag Drakus Duplessis. The f- matchup li- like definitely makes sense for Canada. Um, if you think this fight's not good, don't worry. The woman in the co-main event thinks both her fight and this fight is not good. Um, that was. Did you see that, Mark? Because Myra said her fight I card. I, I mean, you, you told me, but I didn't. I didn't remember her talking about the main event being. Well, because like too. Sean said some stuff about like they need me to help promote the fight for the ladies, 
And Myra's like, mm. I don't think Deshaun Strickland Drickus fight is going to be very good either. It's a very entertaining fight for the fans. Either. That's good. <laughs> and I'm like, Myra's honesty is uh, really refreshing. Um, probably to her own detriment. Sure, yeah. uh, we'll get into it, though. Main event, Sean Strickland won this championship over Israel Adesanya back in Australia or New Zealand. I want to say back in like October or November-ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, before, maybe I think October, because November was Madison Square Garden. And so it was a month before that, I think. Um, Drickus de Plussi wa- beat Bobby Knuckles, then got hurt and didn't get the Israel Adesanya fight. And then it seemed like he was going to not get a title shot, but... This company doesn't plan ahead, and whoever's available for a fight is available, and that answer was Drickus. So, um, betting odds for this one, um, pretty close, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sean Strickland's still a favorite, uh, though I'm seeing people all over the place with their picks. Strickland minus 130, Drickus de Plussie 110. Um, Mike is picking uh, Drickus de Plussie. I am picking uh, Sean Strickland. Um... I think this is really just a matter of, I think, whether or not uh, it's going to be Strickland's pace versus Drickus's just brute force, I think. I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to miss him. I don't think he's some sort of, like, one-hitter-quitter kind of guy or anything with Drickus. I'm more so thinking, like, everything he does, Mark, is with, like, rough you up. Like, he's a large dude, and everything he looks and throws is with bad intention. And I think Sean's got to put on a pace on him. And I do not buy that this man got a nose job and it cleared his nose. And that's why he looked like he was tired by the third round of every fight he's had so far in terms of Drickus. I just think the way Drickus fights is very much meant to finish fights. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think in that type of style, you get tired around the third round. I'm pretty much just backing on Sean Strickland, not fighting like a psychopath, which earlier today, he did say that if Drickus brings up his family, he's going to stab him. So... I, if I'm Drickus, I bring up his family just immediately. That would be my first move in the press conference, because why not? It's already, you're already, you know, the moral, you're already off the fucking moral barometer. So just lean into it. Get Sean out of his mind. Um, but I just think Sean Strickland's still going to be there in round three or four, Mark. That's pretty much it. That's, I think he's going to, I don't think Drickus is winning round four. I don't think Drickus is winning round five. I think Drickus is going to have to knock him out, and he might. This is a coin flip fight, but I think Sean's going to be there still. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I got Drickus in this fight. Um, I think it, it definitely if it goes later in the round, you have to give it to, to Strickland. I think, you know, um, his stamina and the pace that he potentially can put on people, you know, has been some of his best attributes, you know, as a fighter. Is just really being able to stay in the fight, stay in a guy's face, put a lot of pressure on them, try to make them tired. Um, I think what, what I like about Drickus in this fight is just that um, he really is a tank. I mean, like you said, and it's not just the firepower that he blows guys away with. Like, he takes a lot of shots, and he doesn't really seem to get phased too much. Like, he's mm. just a dude that can really take a hit and keep going. And Strickland has always been kind of a guy that's like, he's not a one-hitter quitter. He's a volume guy. And I have a hard time seeing him actually being able to hurt um, Drickus. So I, I think how this fight's going to end is I think he's I think he's probably going to finish Strickland with some kind of TKO. Like, he'll hit him with a decent shot. He'll get him on the ground. He'll do some follow-up. And the referee will call it a little prematurely. Strickland won't be – he won't go out completely, but he'll he'll be in a, in a position where he looked like he was not defending himself in a particularly intelligent way. 
and Jerkis will just land one or two hard shots that might not even land super good, and the referee's going to be like, oh, that's more than enough. This guy's too big. He's too strong. I'm calling it there. He's going to pass. You think Strickland's um, going to pass the what the fuck test when he gets up and goes, what the fuck? Yeah. One of those? Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he might be bleeding a little bit, but I think he'll be he'll be more or less, you know, coherent and we'll be able to to are you excited for this one this is not related to are you actually excited for this one i think this fight could be entertaining you know um actual fight i agree with you i think yeah i think i think i mean strickland kind of just does put a lot of pressure on people and jerkis is going to have to deal with that one way or the other now we thought about that with some other fighters like i thought colby was going to put pressure on leon and sometimes those fights don't turn out the way you think they will just because the the opposition is so dangerous. The other guy's kind of a little lukewarm to really jump in. That's never really been Strickland's thing. Even when he's jumping in the fire against guys like Alex Pereira and he knows he shouldn't be striking with them, he just does it anyways. Um, what do you, what, what to, do like you think saying, of uh, the fact that Strickland's definitely got the best MMA coach in the game right now? Like He man put together a masterful strategy um, in a lot of fights, but especially that last Izzy one. And Drick is his team... Pretty unknown and probably best known for egging on the Izzy is not from Africa conversation. I mean, not to diminish what they've done. They got a guy to a number one contender fight. But what do you think about that? I mean, you think we're going to get maybe a wrinkle here from Sean that Drickus hasn't seen. And then Drickus has to adjust. I'm wondering if you've seen him make adjustments, really. I'm trying to think in fights. Um, mm. Not really, because one one thing I, I give Drickus credit for, and I didn't really catch up on it, is that when he fought... Um, I was Bobby Knuckles Whitaker. Yeah, he he exposed some things that Jared Cannonier exposed in that fight that I didn't pick up on. Mm-hmm. So I do think his corner, besides just the blatant racism, is <laughs> watching tape and 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 are figuring out holes in these guys. And Strickland, I haven't really seen that be the case. I mean, and again, like maybe you look at the Izzy fight and he did something, but like I'll say, like uh, Strickland's corner is very smart in that like they're able to assess what's going on accurately and even in the izzy fight when strickland was still winning they're saying like yo you're being snake charmed here like this dude you're not putting out the the output that you should he was still winning rounds but like this dude's charming you into not being aggressive i mean he, they froze him that was the part that impressed me they put a game plan together that izzy wasn't throwing punches that was the part that impressed me still no, some, of it, that, 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 some of that might have been Izzy. But, but i think this is like that's how strickland fights and i think yeah. that's the thing strickland just fights the way he's gonna fight whether he's fighting the best kickboxer in the world and gets smoked in the first oh, round God. when he should yeah. be wrestling or not like the guy doesn't i mean you say he adapts and it's like i've not seen him really adapt i've seen him fight one way which is like that's fair he likes to get he likes to get in uh you know slugfest with guys and i think that potentially could work out okay with drickus but if he gets in the pocket and they're just throwing bombs i'm picking drickus every day just because the dude's power is insane and he goes to the body too which i like as well but strickland has a really good defense. man so i think that these, These are the things I think we're getting a turnover at this weight class, and the two people who took out it, the guys at the top, Izzy Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Nobody you yeah. want carrying your company's flag. Um, co-main event, a fight that I don't think is actually going to be bad. To be honest, don't think it's going to be a bad mm-hmm. fight at all. I do think it doesn't have any pizzazz on any level. Um, Raquel Pennington, a favorite of this podcast. We all love Rocky. Um, Earning a second UFC title shot, which I don't know if any of us had ever predicted that. Not that she's a bad fighter, it's just she's been very much journeywoman fighter, as I've always thought of Rocky as that. Tough as nails. If you can't beat her, I'm not going to consider you anywhere near a contender, but getting another shot, amazing. 
And then a bit of a newcomer in this the title scene, and though she's 32 years old, member of American Top Team, Moira bon- Moira Buen- Myra Buena Silva, woman who defeated Holly Holm and then had some sort of something in her system that made it a no contest, but I don't know what happened there exactly. Um, the last time this title was defended was May, and that was when Amanda retired, I believe May. And the UFC had eight months to come up with this, which is an achievement. But I think I've complained about this enough. The betting odds for this one, Raquel's a slight underdog at plus 140. Um, and then we got uh, Miss Buena. All of our odds, by the way, I believe are MGM, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Mayor Buena Silva coming in at minus 166. Mike's taking Mayor Buena Silva. I'm taking Mayor Buena Silva. I'm just going to put it simply, man. Raquel Pennington was better the first time she fought for a title. And I know Mayor Buena Silva is not Amanda Nunes, but she broke in that one. Like, remember when she wanted to quit on the stool? She was done, and her corner wouldn't let her quit, and they sent her back out there? I don't have a lot to base this fight on, but one of them I've seen break. The other one I haven't seen break, and she beat Holly Holm. And I don't... I Did Raquel beat Holly Holm, too, just before I... She lost to Holly Holm. I'm going with Mayor Buena Silva. That's pretty much it. I don't got a lot else to back this up on. She looked good beating up Holly Holm, too, to be clear. It was a pretty nice performance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm going with Silva too. Um, she's been getting a lot of finishes over top opposition, and with Rocky, like, like you said, we're all rooting for. Her. I'd love for her to, to pull off what I would consider to be a you know a, a fairly big upset. I'm even surprised the lines as close as it is uh, for Pennington. You know, that being said, you know, after that title loss, I guess she's gotten five straight in a row, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be a little bit unfair of all of us to still put her in that peg where we kind of think of her as a journeywoman. Um, but that has always kind of been the case, right? Like even, even in her, her first go around for title contention, it, it seemed like it was kind of a miracle that she was able to rattle off the win she did to get herself in that position. And like you said, getting the second shot just seems just as, um, 35 years old unlikely. too, by the way, that is also demarcation line for mm-hmm. things not going well, title fights for Raquel. Let's put that out there. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all rooting for her, um, but Silva's just shown an ability, you know, not only does she have, like, heavy hands, but, like, she knows how to close the show. You know, if you give her an opportunity for a submission, she knows how to get it and finish a fight. So I, I like that as a little extra nuance in her game, too, is that, like, you know, if you make a mistake when you're grappling, she will be able to capitalize on it. She has that kind of feather in her cap where she can really lean on her grappling expertise to to finish the fight at any given moment um i think that just puts only one submission lost too for rocky though it's it's the interesting part Mm -hmm. she lost lost by submission 11 years ago to alpha cat zingano back in the uh Mm -hmm. invicta card um invicta used to be so cool just putting that out there Mm -hmm. invicta was great it was really great and you know here we are they killed that one, too. Um, all right. Uh, the feature bout, if you want to call it that. Uh, my guy. This podcast is old enough, Mark, that Neil Magny's 36 years old, by the way. My guy, Neil Magny, um, who started in the UFC pretty much a year after this podcast started. Neil Magny out there taking on Mike Malott. Last time we saw Mike Malott, he choked out Adam Fugit back at UFC 289 last June. Um, decent layoff here for a young man. Um, UFC 289 also was the pay-per-view in Canada. So that was what the one I was thinking of, um, mm-hmm. back in British Columbia. Um, actually that was 
the last title fight. It was Amanda Nunes' final fight. was in Canada, for what it's worth. Um, betting odds for this one, I think my guy Neil's a pretty decent underdog. After coming off of a, the Ian Machado fight, which is another fight with gross buildup. Minus 250, Mike Malott. Plus 205, Neil Magny. Mike's got Mike Malott. I sadly got Mike Malott also. I just think my guy Neil's kind of rounding the corner here, man. I think we're, uh, I think we're at the point where we're going to make Neil fight young guys who are going to beat him up, you know? And Mike Malott is, th th fuck, 32, not even that young. Still think Mike Malott gets it done. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to be this guy, but I've never been very huge on uh, Neil Magny. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even remember much from Mike, but I got him in this fight too. So kind of betting against Neil, which never feels good, but I just, yeah. Don't he, was, he looked, comp I don't know what he's going on. He looked, remember when he fought Machado and like he didn't even get, get mm -hmm. kicked in the leg hard and immediately he looked compromised. Like it looked like he went into that mm -hmm. fight just to get a check. And I was just like, oh, man, that's not a good look. Um, Chris Curtis, Mark, this is on the main card. Chris or Curtis versus Mark Andre Beralt. Uh, uh, Chris Curtis coming off a no contest to Nasir Adinimovov. Uh, no contest where they clashed heads. Uh, Mark Andre Beralt coming off of two straight wins over Julian Marquez and Eric Anders. These guys are lower tier fighters, I would think, in these weight classes. I think you gave a pretty good analysis of Chris Curtis last time we saw we was when you were picking the Imavov fight, uh, your frustrations in watching him fight. Um, Mike's got Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis is coming into this one as a minus one sixty six favorite. I'll take Chris Curtis also because why not? Who do you got? I don't know the other guy well enough to confidently pick. Yeah, I just feel like Chris That's Curtis eventually it. wins one of these fucking fights, man. That's all yeah, pretty much I mean, what I'm at. <laughs> I like how Curtis fights he's he's an action fighter um but yeah i just don't know his opponent well enough to really feel strongly one way or the other so we'll just put this i might be making the uh, extreme couture parlay here mark with strick strickland and curtis that might be my bet this weekend mm -hmm. to lose 10 bucks on um sure. yeah mark andre don't know who he is he's from canada though he's from quebec though his nickname is power bar which i now like him more than i did before i like that um and finally, opening the main card, we talked about it. Probably the best fight on this card on paper. Arnold Almighty Almighty Allen, the young man whose UFC record is 12 wins and Neil Ma and uh, Max Holloway. That's his record. 12 wins, one Max Holloway loss. Taking on a man who ain't lost to nobody. Movsar Ivalov from Russia. Um, 145 pounds coming into this thing. 17-0 wins over Dan Ige. Nick Lentz, and then a whole bunch of people I don't know, honestly. Um, Arnold Allen's coming off of a loss to Holloway. Before that, he beat Hooker, Youssef, Lentz, Calvin Cater, Melendez, and then some other people we ever heard of. Um, betting odds for this one, I want to say Mufsar is the favorite. Coming in at minus 166 to Arnold Allen's plus 140. Mike picked Arnold Allen. I'm taking Arnold Allen, too. I am a big Arnold Allen guy. Arnold Allen doesn't lose fights. Quite frankly, he doesn't lose decisions. And he lost one, though. So he lost that last one to Max, and I don't think there was any shame in that. Put up a decent fight in that one. I think Max is still fucking probably... I'd say probably the second best featherweight. I don't know. If he fought Ilya, that'd be interesting. Um, But Arnold Allen's right there, man. Arnold Allen's ranked number three. This is a this is a impressive thing that he's taking this fight. I'm sure he isn't getting paid enough to have a lot of say in this matter. But I think he's going to get it done here. 
I got I got Arnold Allen getting the upset win here. Mark, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the favorite. There's no real rhyme or reason for it. Just to mix it up a little bit, get some different lines on here. Um, I think Arnold ha- has you know proven himself to be definitely a title contender, and it's in Movzar has not really faced anyone quite there. I mean, I I would say Dan e- Ige is definitely a little bit lower than Arnold Allen. I think that's the biggest scalp he's collected so far. So this is going to be obviously his biggest win. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for the new blood, but like it, both these guys are kind of what I consider to be new blood. Yeah. 29 for, years for old right? coming up. They both haven't fought for a title. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're going to be killing off one potential prospect. I think, I think obviously if Arnold wins, he's right already there at title contention. So I think he makes that jump fairly easily. Um, and then if, if uh, Muzar is able to get this done, he probably has to get at least one more to really be considered title contention. But you beat number three, you know, I imagine he's fighting a Josh Emmett or something. Well, we got to see what's going to happen with this. Rodriguez. We got Ilya fighting um, Volk, right? Mm-hmm. So in a world where Volk loses, I don't think there's a scenario where he hasn't earned an immediate rematch, honestly. Sure. Granted, unless he doesn't want it. Unless he doesn't want it. Maybe he takes a long break or something. We don't know. If Volk wins, fuck it. He hasn't beaten any of these guys, either of these kids before, right? Like mm-hmm. either one. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I don't. I did not like. Remember, I told, we we talked about it when they booked Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway. I did not like it. Volk didn't like it. Volk when Ilya was coming up, Volk just said, "Please don't fight Max," because Ilya knows Max is just. You put a, one of these contenders against Max. There's a more than fifty percent chance Max is putting this guy, you know, away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why I think they're doing. Aren't they doing Max versus Emmett? Isn't that a conversation? Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't like know that fight. Uh, yeah, I mean it's Max getting hit a lot. Not one I feel still. I mean, he's going to win. Um, yeah, this one is not great, folks. Just honestly, um, there's a bunch. If, if you really want to pay for this thing, you go online. You're going to find a ten dollar coupon. They're offering ten dollar coupons. So that's something. Um, but you know. Just you know what, man? Don't buy the pay per view if you really like one of these guys. Buy their t shirt on the website, right? I got my meal. I got my Neil Magny shirt. Not my Neil Magny. My Leon Edwards shirt. Mark. Yeah, it looks nice. I'm ready for UFC 300. That's all I'm saying. It's my you gonna be my UFC 300 shirt when Neil's fighting Belal Muhammad. Though the last time I wore a guy's shirt and bought it was Robert Whitaker, and he got knocked out by Drakus Duplessis. I did not hmm. buy that shirt from Robert Whitaker, though. I bought it from the co-main event podcast. It says Bobby Knuckles, though. So I'm wondering if Bobby, if, if Robert Whitaker not getting a cut of that T-shirt was me setting up bad karma for him. Sure. I'm trying to work these things out. Um, yeah. Um, under Undercard. I like Charles Jordan. I don't know who he's fighting, to be honest with you. I like Charles Jordan. I think he's an exciting fighter. Not got a fucking clue who Sean Woodson is. If you told me Jillian Robertson and Pollyanna Vienna have fought four other times already, I would have a hard time telling you for sure that I didn't think that was true, to be right. honest. And uh, yeah, if you were on one of the first three fights on this card, you should consider the fact that you're probably fighting for your job if you don't win on a pay-per-view like this. So I wonder if they sold this thing out. I bet they did. I bet a bunch of pissed off people bought tickets before there was even a card announced, Mark. I bet they thought they were going to all this shit and then this is it. You know, I hope not because it's not really worth it. But no, you know, that hasn't been a, an event for a while. So maybe I don't know what last time they were in Toronto. I mean, Vancouver and Toronto aren't anywhere near each other. That's 
Yeah. One's above Seattle. One's above, one's above Buffalo. So, um, wow. Um, all right. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of fun. It's going to be kind of a stupid and ridiculous top five list here. But it's the best I came up with, which was, you know, in honor of them going back to Canada, we're going to say our top five Canadians. And this can be any reason whatsoever. You can be your favorite. You might like a Canadian because they're a singer. You might like them because they're a supermodel. You might like them because they're a wrestler. You might like them because they're a director. You might like them because they stole the patent for the telephone. Looking at you, Alexander Graham Bell. You didn't make that shit. Come on now. Um, and um, I will kick us off, Mark, because this is an MMA podcast. Let's talk about the man that I consider to be the greatest of all time. Probably got to say John Jones now, to be honest, but I'll go with George St. Pierre. Mm -hmm. um, and times like this, Mark, where everybody's a scumbag. Not everybody, but a lot of these fighters are scumbags. And we got to promote fights by literally being the worst people possible. We miss Gentleman GSP, as Stefan would call him. Sure. GSP, his trash talk wasn't even existent there. Just, just he never, I don't remember, dude, the, 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 what was it, the, the best trash talk he ever gave us? Was with Matt no, Hughes? I'm not too impressed. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even, like, he wasn't even trying to slay me. Just, I am not impressed with your performance. He wasn't. He wasn't. The man was a UFC welterweight champion. He defended the belt more than anybody else defended that belt. He'd beat three generations of welterweights on the uh, while defending that title. Winning the championship is one thing. I think you've said it before, man. Defending the belt's a whole different can of wax. Mm -hmm. And he did that. Guys like him, Anderson, Mighty Mouse, Jones, even though big gaps of bullshit in the middle there. Guys who sustained the title reign over a long stretch of time. All impre impressive as hell. And then he retired. Just looked fucking burned out. And then he came back four years later off the couch and won the middleweight championship and then dipped again. Um, I love GSP. I got not a bad thing to say about GSP. GSP is still also one of the best coaches of the Ultimate Fighter that's ever been. Unintentionally hilarious at times. Other times intentionally at, at hilarious. The My favorite Canadian athlete. Real athlete. Um, I can't say he's the greatest Canadian athlete ever, Mark, because I think the Canadians would be like, hey, there was a guy named Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. So what are mm -hmm. we talking about? Yeah. So that's my yeah. first entry here. George Rush St. Pierre of Montreal. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it in the same realm. Mm -hmm. um, and this was one I didn't have on my list originally. And then you mentioned fighters. And I was like, oh, yeah, wasn't there some fighter I liked that was from Canadian that wasn't wasn't GSP? Um so I put Carlos Newton. I was waiting who, for that who one. Was, yeah, <laughs> he was really one of my early favorite uh, mixed martial arts fighters um, when I first started getting into the sport. Um, you know, mo mostly because he was he was very charismatic, but his his style of jujitsu he called Dragon Ball jujitsu, and he sh he he'd shoot the Kamehameha. Um, and he was just a fun guy to watch. You know, I really enjoyed watching his fights. You know, I mean, I've mentioned agnosium anytime we talk about our favorite fight his fight with pele which was awesome um his fight with sakuraba where they had like a gentleman's agreement not to really strike each other it was just a grappling uh match um the henzo gracie fight in the first bushido was great um and ultimately you know carlos stuck around long enough to where you know father time definitely started catching up with him um really wasn't quite the same fighter when he was fighting in the ifl in late ufc um, but he was always a, a fun guy to watch and, you know, he was able to capture that, 
um, welterweight belt from Pat Militage. Now, um, you know, like you were saying, the difficult part is to defend it. He was not able to. He fought Matt Hughes in his next fight and was never never able to, um, you know, really have a reign at welterweight. Um, but even that fight was very controversial where you had him in a triangle choke and then Matt basically passed out and slammed him and they were both unconscious and Matt just happened to wake up first and there you go, there's your belt. Um, but yeah, Carlos Newton was always, you know, one of my favorites and uh, I kind of forgot he was Canadian. So yeah, we'll throw him on the list. Right on. Um, next one I'm going to go with, and this is just, we're on the other end of the spectrum entirely. We're not talking about an athlete at all. I'm going to go Michael J. Fox. Um, Michael J. Fox. I don't got to explain who Michael J. Fox is, do I? I mean, he hasn't really acted in a while, but... I mean, not to me. I know who he he's is. He's Marty but... goddamn McFly, okay? He's Marty McFly. Um, Back to the Future, one of the great popcorn flicks, I guess. Um, Call it an, a comedy, action comedy, I'd say. You know, summer pop blockbuster fi- thing like that. First one came out in 85. I think they were all in the 80s. I think maybe the third one might have hit 90. Um, A man who became famous... Um, I think he was on... Uh, try to remember the show he was on. Family Ties. He was on Family Ties. Uh, he's from Edmonton. Um, these days, uh, he does a lot of work. MS. Not MS stuff. Uh, Parkinson stuff. Man has Parkinson's and uh, does a lot of research and stuff for that. Um, he was also on a show. Underrated show, in my opinion. I liked it. Spin City. I thought it was a fun show. Where he was playing Deputy Mayor, I believe, of New York. Um, it was a good show, man. It was a good show, and now that I'm old, you know, and I can get emotional in a show and watching a show and a movie and stuff like that, Mark, but for the longest time, movies and stuff never got to me. Shows never got to me, but uh, the episode of Spin City, when Marty McFly, when uh, Michael J. Fox leaves because of, Mm. he's in real life, he got Parkinson's, he had to stop acting, right? Hey, did they not, I thought that they wrote it in the script. They wrote that he he had to resign to protect the mayor. Because he works for the mayor, and, like, the mayor was photographed with a mobster or something, and, like, he's saying it was because of him. Or, But, like, honestly, you're watching the show, and, like, it's real, like, you could tell everybody's in tears the whole time. And it's like, I it really got to me. Uh, Michael J. Fox rules. I I love Back to the Future. And that alone is enough for me. Um, but fuck, man, Teen Wolf is fun, too. You know? Teen Wolf was a good time. He did some stuff. He did some cool stuff. You know? Man with Stuart Little in three movies, too. So, Michael J. Fox, great Canadian. What's your next one, Mark? Uh, yeah, my next one is uh, Seth Rogen. Uh-huh. I- I've always been a big fan of Seth Rogen. Um, since Freaks and Geeks, and obviously when he started making um, all those movies, I'm trying to think, like Knocked Up, and a lot of those comedy movies that he kind of really cut his teeth on. Uh-huh. You know, I-, I was a big fan of those as well, but like, even after he's he's still in a lot of stuff. There's still a lot of stuff he's in that I haven't like seen, like the Neighbors movies with that young Disney kid or whatever. He's in a lot of movies that I haven't seen, um, but he also produces a lot of stuff that I'm also fans of. You know, whether it was Preacher, he did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he's doing Invincible. Um, you know, he's got his hands in a lot of cookie jars that I think the projects he picks are very unique, and I've always just appreciated his style of comedy. I mean, again, it's, it's a lot of improvised stuff and. I would say he probably has one of my favorite scenes in Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David where they're talking about Larry has all these 
gender norms that he wants people that he works for to be like certain genders for stuff. And Seth's like, why are you saying all that? Just, I would, that's such a great scene where they're talking about like how they want like their doctors to be women or men or whatever. And it was just like, why do you care if like the, the person checking your balls is a lady or a man? And he was like, I'm more comfortable. Oh no, it was just really cool. Um, Remember, um, I've always enjoyed it. Undeclared? Was that the name yeah, of the show? Undeclared, I mean, people don't, yeah, people talk about Freaks and Geeks. Geeks. They don't talk about Undeclared. Undeclared was good. Undeclared was a good show. Yeah. I mean, I think Freaks and Geeks garnered more acclaim because it kind of had like a, a more heartfelt message. Yeah. Where Undeclared was just kind of sticky, kind of just like, it was just a fun show. Yeah. But I really enjoyed both those. You know, I watched Freaks and Geeks and then Undeclared. Um, and I've always just, yeah, really enjoyed Seth Rogen's pot brand Do you know what humor, I, so. you know what I like about him too? His wife, I know, suffer, her mother, I think, has Alzheimer's. And Seth has got a lot of charity stuff he does for that. And I remember he went and testified to the Senate. Mm. And he did like a whole like, he had a bit about like, you guys are wondering why the weed joke guy is here or something like that. But like, he, you know, yeah. talked about like, the need for, he's, you know, the need for funding and helping people and all that stuff. People who suffer. And it's honestly, seemed like a really good dude. Honestly, he just comes off as a good guy. Yeah. By the way, anybody I'm talking about here, pending not finding out there's some sort of weird fucking, you know douchebag we find out you know in the next week or something sure you never know um yeah. i'm gonna go with um the oh this is debatable now but in my opinion the greatest greatest canadian professional wrestler that's ever lived and that is the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be the excellence of execution brett the hitman hart i love brett hart man i Dude, in the 90s, people were a lot, some people were Shawn Michaels people, some people were Bret Hart people. I never felt you had to choose. They both are such good wrestlers. Um, I just love watching Bret Hart, the way he just systematically would go break his opponent down. Do you remember when, I don't know how much you remember this at this point, but remember when like Bret would get whipped into a corner and he would eat the ch bump chest first into the corner and he'd look like the guy died. Just full run. He'd run mm -hmm. into the turnbuckle. Full thing. I love Bre Bret Hart um, and Stone Cold Steve Austin put on my single favorite wrestling match that's ever existed. WrestleMania 13. Um, guest referee Ken Shamrock, by the way. Um, was supposed to be a submission match. Kind of turned into an I Quit match. And it is, as Stone Cold puts it, the match that made him. It made Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite wrestling match ever. And I think Bret Hart's... Everything he did looked real and he never hurt anybody as he puts it as he talks about goldberg giving him a concussion bret hart is like i never hurt anybody i'm a professional i made sure everybody was able to work the next day and he's a guy who became their champion mark when they didn't really they kind of had to put it on someone who didn't look like they were juiced to the gills because it was right after mm -hmm. the steroid trial or during the steroid trial so he almost accidentally became their champion and I still think when he was a bad guy with the Heart Foundation and he was a good guy in Canada and a bad guy in the United States, every week they go back and forth, it felt like, almost on accident. I don't know if they did it on purpose to scheduling. It was still one of the coolest runs ever. And, you know, the hitman. I love Bret Hart. So that's my next one. Who do you got? Uh, yeah, this is – these next ones are all kind of more – recent i haven't really you know i wasn't really aware of their careers until more recently but this first one i'm going to say is a uh, simu lee who played shang uh shang shi 
but before that, I watched him in Kim's Convenience, which was a Canadian show, um, and really enjoyed it and really just became a fan of his work. You know, I think he has a lot of good uh, comedic timing. I think he's very charismatic. I think he did a great job in uh, Shang-Chi. Um, I know he's in Barbie. Still haven't seen that one. Um, oh, I heard he was really good been in that, too. I yeah, really I, mean, I haven't really I haven't seen him in anything where I thought he did a bad job. Like he just he just radiates a positivity and a fun vibe that um, you know makes all the projects that I've seen him in uh, be really fun. So yeah, one of my favorite Canadians. Seems really. Um, I thought you were gonna go with a comedian. I'm waiting for you to go with this comedian that had a Comedy Central show. It does... Probably not. So you're not gonna run Nathan to Fielder. Okay, them. cool to know. All right. <laughs> oh, see, these are the kind of guys I wanted to see if. <laughs> They'd come up on the list, and I didn't see it. I no, probably would have. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, a little bit out there, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara is the mom from Home Alone. She is the mom from... She's Moira, the mom from Schitt's Creek. Um, she's been... She's in all those Christopher Guest movies, Best in Show, yada, yada, yada. This woman is excellent in everything, man. She is so good at everything. And she's got these little moments in Home Alone even, which is a kid's movie, right? Where, like, the stuff she's doing with John Candy is really fun. And then, like, the moments with, like, um, Kevin, you know, Macaulay Culkin, where, like, they see each other again and, like, you know, and, like, there's a moment, this is really specific, but I remember this as a kid where, like, he talks about, remember when, like, he wishes to her, like, he hates his family and, like, I hope I never have to see any of you ever again. And, like, the look on her face, you can tell it, like, really hurt her. And she's, like, not, her face doesn't move, but you can see it, like, in her eyes. Like, she's selling it like it hurt her. And then she's like, well, maybe you'll get your wish someday. And I remember, like, thinking as a kid, like, man, this kid really hurt his mom's feelings. Like, it really, like, bothered me. <laughs> um, I just think she's so good. And if, you know, in a nutshell, if you want to go look at the scene of her talking about folding in the cheese from um, Shit's Creek. It's one of the single funniest scenes I've ever seen in a TV show ever. Schitt's Creek was a perfect TV show. I'm going to say that right now. I could have gone with fucking Eugene Levy, Dan Levy, fucking Chris Elliott. The show's full of good Canadians, Mark. Any one of those guys deserve it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I'm going Catherine O'Hara. Love Catherine O'Hara. Uh, what do you got next? Yeah, these ones are definitely a little bit more obscure. Um, my next one is going to be uh, Jared Kesso, or Kiso. Um, and this is the guy that did Letter Kenny and Shorzy. Um, which were more recent shows that I've really just fallen in love with. Um, we actually, I don't know if I even mentioned it last week, we finished the last season of Letter Kenny. I can't remember what Canadian, there's some Canadian television show that they were doing all these shows on, and they basically like hired him out for like 10 more different shows or something. They're like, yeah, this dude just prints fucking gold, so we're going to really sign him on for a long contract. Like I said, love Letter Kenny, love Shorzy. Um, Jared's the star in both of them. I think he does a fantastic job. He, his writing's really good. He has fun cast members. Um, both those shows are fantastic. If you got Hulu, again, I can't recommend them enough. I definitely would recommend Shorzy. Um, it's a little bit shorter. There's only been two seasons so far. Um, but really love what that guy's put out. And really excited to see, you know, where he goes now that Letter Kenny's done. Um, they're still going to do Shorzy at least another season. Um, but what other spinoffs he has in the pipeline, I'm really interested to see what he's got. So that's what I got. Letter Kenny. I've been meaning to watch that for so long. You guys, you told me how good it is, too. Um, all right. Um, I'll be honest. I was going to go Kenny Omega again, another wrestler, but I like the idea that I'm all over the place here. So Kenny Omega would be up there, too, to be honest. Best bout machine. Shout out. 
he's out with diver diver diverticulitis. I hope he comes back sooner. But for the love of God, Kenny, take care of yourself. Just please take care of yourself. And maybe eat a vegetable. Um, I'm going to go with Jim Carrey. Um, actually, I take that back. I'm going to go Michael Myers. I'm going Michael Myers. Okay. I was trying to decide which one of them I'm going to go with. Um, I think uh, given how quickly he kind of sh shied away from the public, because it was fast with Michael Myers, I felt. Or Mike Myers. I shouldn't say Michael. Michael's the Halloween villain. Mike Myers. People don't under people don't remember how much of a fucking star Mike Myers was uh, with Austin Powers. Austin Powers was a massive, massive uh, movie in a time where people still went to the movies and stuff. You got a comedy to get bring in hundreds of millions of dollars there. Um, I want to pull this up, um, but the Austin Powers franchise. Just fucking killed it financially. Brought in the first one, brought in sixty-eight million worldwide. The second one brought in three hundred million worldwide. The third one brought in another three hundred million worldwide. It's fucking worldwide brought in seven hundred million dollars just at the box office on a total budget of three movies of one hundred and ten million dollars. Doesn't probably count twice the twice that in DVD sales. Michael Myers was a fucking big deal, man, and um, it's a guy who was it five six years before that. You know, you thought that might have been, we might have just gotten everything we we're going to get out of this guy. His peak was going to be Wayne's World, right? We got we got SNL out of him. We got Wayne's World. Got Wayne's World 2, which is not as good as Wayne's World, but Wayne's World, still good. Um, wasn't he in, like, a Married an Axe Murderer or something, too? Wasn't that him, too? Mm -hmm. um, he, I think he's knighted in Canada, whatever the Canadian version of getting knighted is. The Royal Order of Canada or some shit like that. But yeah, his, you know, I'm not even brought up the fact that he's fucking Shrek. Like, dude was, you know, another iconic character. I don't think he was necessarily involved. Maybe he was. I don't think he was involved in the creating part of Shrek. I think that might have been him. But Austin Powers was entirely his baby. Um, and after I remember he had a, like a crappy movie, The Love Guru. I remember that was kind of crappy. And then he kind of just stopped showing up and stuff. But then every now and then he shows up in a movie like, what the fuck, Mike Myers is in Inglorious Bastards. Just in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Just playing some random British general for no reason. Um, he's done some Netflix stuff. He had a Netflix show like a couple years ago. Um, he was randomly in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Just in the movie. I remember. Mm. Um, he was he had a Netflix show? I didn't even know that. I'll call it the pen penultimate or something, or he's playing ten different characters or something. He I does that a lot. It it's you know, yeah. that all started with what Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy the one who really did that made that popular. Sure, yeah. I think yeah. with Coming to America Professor, and stuff, him and Arsenio. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I just think Mike Myers. I was I was gonna say the same thing with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey probably more longevity than Mike Myers, but in terms of having like being like a comedic actor that's like done some shit, you know, and was actually like. Every now and then, every couple of years, there's some comedic actor who just kind of like pops and they run everything for a couple of years. And that was Mike Myers in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, got a got, got Vern Troyer a career, got Minimi a career. Rest in peace, you know. That's some and, and Spy Who Shagged Me, the first Austin Powers is like, as someone whose dad watched a lot of James Bond growing up, that movie's fucking brilliant. It's 
perfect spoof of James Bond. So, Mike Myers, my last one. Who's your last one? Oh, uh, yeah, this is a, a deep cut. Um, but there is this comic writer, uh, Ryan North. Um, he did the whole Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. He's also written for Adventure Time. Um, and really, I'm just a fan of his Squirrel Girl work. Mostly, that's, that's most of the work that I've read. Um, when he took over that comic series, like it was a long running series. Squirrel Girl went on for like, like nine graphic novels, like well over a hundred issues, I think. Um, and he did such a good job just bringing that character into kind of like the future and kind of what he did with her breaking the fourth wall in the captions, talking about stuff and kind of making her a college student that was going in for computer programming. Um, I think he also helped co-write the two, uh, young adult books for score world, which I also read, which I thought were fantastic. Um, you know, easily my favorite Marvel character where I think just really hasn't really, I mean, for those who know, like people who have read score world know, like, yeah, that, that was some good stuff right there. Um, hasn't really come to the forelight with like the MCU stuff. I imagine and they've tried to bring her in a couple of times. There's a couple of shows she was supposed to star in that kind of, you know, filtered out. And obviously with the MCU now, it's just like, who knows? what's actually going to take off now. Um, and Squirrel seems like a, a tougher bet now than it, it did a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, I always liked a lot of Ryan North stuff. And um, actually I went down a rabbit hole of his stuff like a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And I guess he was walking his dog in Canada and then he got stuck in one of those uh, pools that like were drained out. Like he wanted to get a picture of his dog inside like the skating pool and then he couldn't get out. And then he had like, okay. he was posting on Twitter for like three hours. Like, um, I'm stuck in this thing with my dog. How do I get out? And people were like, oh, like, we'll call the police. It's like, no, 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 no. I got stuck in here myself. I'm going to get myself out of here. And I guess someone like finally suggested like he take his shirt off and tie it as an anchor and then use that to like drag himself out and drag it and make it a leash for his dog. It was this whole thing that it basically turned into like a point and click adventure where like people were asking like, okay, like what do you have on you? What can you use to get out of this pool? Um, and I thought that was just funny. Um, yeah, that's my last one, Ryan North. Very cool, with a, you know, honorable mention to Nathan Fielder. If I would have known, yeah, maybe I would have shuffled. That's the thing is like when I looked these up, I looked up famous Canadians. And I was like, it's not helpful. It's I tried that too. Ones here, like. Yeah, they, they hit the big ones. Like I saw Jim Carrey and Michael J. Fox and some of the other ones. It was ones. like There's Pierre Trudeau, Pierre and I'm just like, I don't know Canadian politics whether enough to tell you Pierre Trudeau was yeah. a good prime minister. Fuck, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going to throw yeah. Leonard Cohen out there. You know the song Hallelujah? It's one of my favorite songs. Oh, okay. You know? sure. Neil yeah, Young, also cool. Canadian. You a lot gonna, of bands. You There's weren't, so weren't going to hear me. You weren't going to hear me say Drake, but you might have heard me say Bare Naked Ladies. Shout out. You know, just saying. Sure. Um, all right, let's do uh, stuff we like and call it a day. Um, I'm just going to put this out there real quickly because I think, Mark, I'm assuming you got something because I don't got much. Um, I watched a lot of football this weekend because NFL playoffs started. Um, and uh, it's interesting. It's Niners had the week off because the Niners had the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, explaining this for people who aren't big football fans, there's an NFC and an AFC, and each team sends seven playoff sends teams seven to the playoff each conference there, and the number one seed on both sides gets a bye. So the other six teams play. Uh, three of those advance in each conference. You know, Niners play next week. So you know, it was nice watching and not being you know, 
not having the entirety of the Niner season on the line with any of these games. Um, but there's few things in this life that bring me as much pleasure sports-wise than watching the Dallas Cowboys get embarrassed. It really... Um, and I know it's fashionable to hate the Cowboys, but just to put it in terms people might not understand, because I'm old, um, growing up as a 49er fan, we hate the Dallas Cowboys. That is what we do. We've I've hated, I've known to hate the Dallas Cowboys since as long as I've known what football is. Hate the Cowboys. Um, and there was a stretch there where it wasn't a lot of fun because we weren't good or they weren't good. And, you know, they've been good the last couple of years. And beating them every year is something I've brought great uh, enjoyment out of. And it would have been fun to beat them again in the playoffs, but them losing at home in front of 100,000 people, however many you fit in that stupid-ass stadium, to the youngest playoff team in NFL history, embarrassing them and hanging 48 points on them, it's one of the more entertaining things that happened this weekend. Um, Yeah, football. Got a few more weeks of it, so enjoying it right now. What do you got this week, Mark? Yeah, not a ton um, this past week. Uh, I, I will say, you know, uh, me and Christine went out to Alameda. We, we'll go out there every now and then just to kind of like shop around and just kind of hang out and stuff. Um, finally went to, it's called like the uh, Olay Waffle Shop, which is, um, I can't remember which street it's off of, but it's like this main street we always go down and go to Alameda. And that place is always packed and um, finally got to try it out. I think we actually, like when we were there, we're like, I think we've been here before. <laughs> like we kind of both remembered, like I think we sat in the back before. Um, but that was good. Um, and then there's a independent game shop out in Alameda called the experience share, which I have always really enjoyed, uh, going out to their shop. It's actually where I found my Sega Saturn and got a bunch of import games and, uh, they had some cool shit there. Um, when I went, uh, I got this cool rapper, the rapper windbreaker. I got this nice, uh, switch controller, which looks like an old NES controller. Um, so anytime I go out there, um, there's always some cool stuff to check out. Other than that, um, we watched all of Echo, which I actually really enjoyed. I feel bad I haven't watched um, Loki season two, um, and we just completely skipped Secret Invasion because I heard it. Oh, the right wingers so, are having a field day with Echo. Yeah, and because deaf, Native American, de- deaf, okay. amputee, Native American. I think those are all the end wokeness people. It's a real mm, Twitter account called End yeah. Wokeness. I mean, anytime you know someone like. That's and female, you know, they don't like the yeah, ladies. <laughs> any diversity, you know, that is she gay too? Up in arms about. Uh, I have no idea. Okay, I was gonna say um, they would have not liked I that either. <laughs> I can't remember what her name is, but she's great, she's so good. Um, I the mean, actress? I thought she was really good, yeah. I love something it Cox, I think. Um, so remember, Charlie Cox was Daredevil, Alakwa Alakwa Cox, 26 years Alakwa old Cox. of the Menominee Mena- Indian Reservation. In Wisconsin, mm-hmm. graduate of the Wisconsin she's, School for Deaf. Yeah, and yeah, she's deaf mm-hmm. and Native American, so a lot of that stuff speaks to her. And I, I thought the series was just really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, good action sequences. Um, obviously, you have was it Vincent something? What's what's the Denorfio? Guys, the Kingpin. Denorfio is playing Kingpin. He does a fantastic job. I think a lot of the is this on Hulu? Characters, uh, it's on Hulu and Disney. Disney's been doing this thing with their Marvel shows. They're putting them on Hulu too to get like more exposure. I'm because people aren't watching the fucking uh, Disney app Plus app. It's not going well. Too. All right, <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Um, and again, a little bit more like mature, darker than some of the other like MCU shows. A little more violent and stuff like that. But I thought it was. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and again, like of all the MCU shows, 
Um, Echo, easily the one I knew nothing about. Like, um, I mean, I didn't know a lot about Moon Knight, but I had an idea of like what his character was kind of about. But literally, I've never read a single panel of Echo. Only know that character through um, the Hawkeye show and now this show. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was. Um, so outside of Echo, which we uh, really enjoyed, um, I've been catching up on season seven of Rick and Morty, which ended about like a month seven? ago. And yeah, we're on yeah, seven. On Good seven. lord. I am way back. I think okay. they got like signed for like ten or twelve I am, or something. I am crazy. way back. <laughs> yeah, um, but this is the first season without um, Justin Rowland, right? Because he got into all that controversy. They had to rehire voice actors, and honestly, I actually didn't know that at all. I yeah, I. Yeah, he had something like he had domestic abuse during oh. COVID or something, and they <laughs> can't do that. Ties with all of his projects. Yeah, so they got new people to to voice them, and on it, you can't really, you can kind of tell it. it Justin did bring, I think, a lot. I don't think the new voice actors are like ad libbing as much. Like you can kind of tell. Like I think Justin got the script and would kind of just weave off and you know make whatever random jokes he wanted and which ones would stay and which ones wouldn't. You know who knows. Um, I think now definitely it's a little bit more tighter script where the voice actors are just performing the roles. Um, but you can't really tell much difference in their voices. And so far the season's been really fun. I think I'm only like halfway through. He also uh, has a sexual. Oh, in September, he picked up a sexual assault allegation from an underage girl. Okay. Add that to the like list too. Add that to the list a lot too. Of, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with him that kind of like it makes sense why, you know, everyone that was kind of he had another show too, right? Didn't they have another show that was? He had a Solar Opposites, which was another cartoon. Yeah. That one was on Hulu. I That's watched dead. that one too, and that one, yeah, yeah, that one wasn't like bad, but it definitely wasn't of the caliber of Rick and Morty. He might have even had another one after that, too. I mean, he kind of has his shtick, right? Like, he does his voices, and he does a lot of ad-libbing and stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of getting kind of like, you know... I'm, I'm not surprised that maybe some people were burnt out of it before all the controversy, right? Now that he's kind of did what he did. Harmon was like that, too, it felt like. Like, people kind well, of Harmon had a lot of... And then they just yeah. fucking, you know... Got to bail. He, uh, There's a couple of years where they're yeah, geniuses I mean, to everybody, then everybody bails. Something happened. I mean, well, Armin, I don't think had that, did he? It wasn't quite that. I think it was. I mean, he had that documentary. Had like we look like a big asshole. I remember in that documentary. Yeah, and I think you can kind of tell at least now, like it's seen. And I don't know, you know, personally, who knows? It seems like he's kind of turned a corner, and you can tell because his production studio, which I can't remember what it's actually called, at the end of his shows, he used to always have like a little claymation of himself, and you can tell, like, yo, this dude's. This guy's in rough shape because it's a claymation of him like passed out on his couch with like beer bottles all over the place. And now on the newer season of Rick and Morty, it's like him and his girlfriend or his wife are sleeping in a bed together with like their dogs. And it's like, okay, I think this dude's in a better spot than he was when his logo was him being shit faced on the couch, you know, like just not knowing, you know, what he's doing it all for. So it looks like he at least turned a corner. But um, that all being said, yeah always enjoyed rick and morty you know i feel like sometimes it got a little overplayed obviously you know became just so popular um but this last season has been really enjoyable so that's what i got this week um honestly i'm here looking to see now i'm down the rabbit hole are we going to get a community movie because i know they said they would um that's really just as gambino going to be in that movie it's really the main concern but i guess he might be so yeah they're trying no surely out maybe which is weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No Chevy Chase, because... Yeah, go ahead and look why. So. Um, <laughs> that set sound like it was a f- fucking zoo. 
Harmon yeah. fighting with the network, Chevy Chase being openly racist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, all right. We are going to be back next week um, where we're going to see if we got ourselves a new champion at 185. Mark and Mike seem to think so. I don't, but it's a fucking pick em fight, guys, so I guess it could go either way. And we are going to have a new women's bantamweight champion, in theory. You gotta say that after Ankalaev and Jan went out there and got a draw when we thought we were gonna get a new 205-pound champion. Sure, how, many champions, uh, how many championships, how many of the championships at this point have, like, the lineage broken? Like, in recent years, in the last, like, year or two. Like, yeah, heavyweight? Quite a few. Mm -hmm. Heavyweight, the heavyweight champion's fighting Anthony Joshua. Uh, the light heavyweight champion, like, Jamal Hill won the light heavyweight title in a, in a vacant fight. Then Yuri won, then Yuri and Poetan fought in a vacant fight. And before well, no that, it was John like, Jones. yeah, no one even beat, okay, middleweight is legit. Middleweight is, is the most legit shit we got going on here. Like, you know, we're years away from, like, GSP retiring after beating Bisping. That was, like, four or five years ago. Welterweight is who? Who the fuck's the welterweight Leon. champion? I think, I think oh, that's legit. Like Leon yeah. beat Kamaru, and Kamaru held it for a fucking like five years. He beat Tyron before that. Um, one fifty-five is legit. Yeah, Islam. Khabib retired, uh, but that was like four years ago, three years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a couple of years at least with somebody. Retirement is what it is, but uh, Volk is legit, of course. O'Malley's legit. I mean, is this guy one twenty-five is legit too? Women's women's one thirty-five is. Definitely not. And then 125 is and 115 is. So not that many. Like five. <laughs> like five of 13. Anyway, we'll be back next week um, where we're going to talk about the we have a new champion or not and see if we find any meaning in the other 12 fights on this fucking card. I thought we're previewing something, but it looks like that's not happening till the following week. Um, be real cool if one of these other MMA companies wanted to give me a give us something to talk about, Mark. Be real cool. There's just one. Uh, right? I, I know one. Well, I, I don't know what the hell is when PFL is going to put on a show. One yeah. is bleeding money. I watched some of their show um, on Amazon mm -hmm. on Friday. Mm -hmm. They were in a they were in a ring. Um, in I think they were in overseas. They were overseas too. They I read that they're going to do going to do a show in Qatar, which considering they depend on Qatari money to fund this place, fund the thing, mm -hmm. makes me think they might get some more money and keep the you know lights on. Sure. It's shocking that they're suffering money issues when, you know, Chaudhry's been telling us for years the that the single most the profitable, yeah. most watched fucking Everyone company in the world. Everyone in is watching them. But uh, I, I mean, as much as I shut on one, I do enjoy their product quite a bit, so I'd like them not to go away. You know, it would make me very happy if they weren't going away. Anyway, we'll be back next week. I think Mike will be back. And in which case, we are going to probably, I don't know, I would say preview the Royal Rumble, but I don't know what's going on. So we're going to watch the Royal Rumble the week after that, though. Maybe we'll talk about we'll it. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. All right. We'll have a top five list about something. Um, sure. Till next week, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. Shout out to our boy Lavender Gooms in Paris. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Man, wait until like the last week of like the playoffs for me to get good at gambling on football. I cleared like 200 bucks in the last two days in profit. Just picking games here. <laughs> well, you got a few more weeks to. Yeah, I fuck it up. Do what you do. Yeah, you go and throw some money at the 49ers and they lose. That'll take care of it. 
So put some big bucks on the Super Bowl, and there you go. I bet fifty bucks on the Niners to win the Super Bowl like a month ago, but. Everybody thinks the Niners are going to win, so I went like 150 bucks total on that move. But yeah. anyway, Still. thanks for listening, guys. Go Niners. Peace out. <laughs>